Father, we thank you for your great blessings, for your mercy, for your grace in our lives. Lord, even as we have already sung together, you are God over all, immortal, invisible, God only wise, full of life, full of wisdom, full of joy, full of holiness. In fact, even to better say it, you are holy, set apart, infinite in your perfections. Lord, when we come to you, Lord, we recognize that we indeed are sinful people. Lord, we are sinners in need of your grace. We have, in this last week, not lived up to your standards. We have not lived up to your law. We have not lived up to the image in which we were created. Lord, as we come to you, we recognize that we have not loved the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. But Lord, we thank you that indeed we have an advocate with the Father in heaven. Jesus Christ, who, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins in our place, the one who knew no sin became sin for us, so that through faith in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so, Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We receive your forgiveness of sins, knowing that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, even as we bow before you, we bring our request to you, knowing that, Jesus, you said for us to ask. And if we ask anything according to the will of the Father in the name of Jesus, Lord, you will act. And so, Lord, we come before you on behalf of these missionaries, these children at this shelter in Kenya. Lord, we pray for Francis and the other boys like him, that they would find new life in Jesus. Lord, we pray that as the boys are reconciled with their families, that they will also find a hope in Jesus Christ, that their families would know Jesus and they would be transformed by the gospel that can save, the only gospel that saves. Lord, I pray that you would bless the work of the shelter staff as they reach out and love to boys who are hurting and on the streets of Nairobi and around Kenya, that nation. Lord, I pray that you would increase our own global vision, your heart for the nations, not only in Africa, but extending to all of the world. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now as we open your word. Equip us for living as missionaries in this evil age. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and grab a Bible and turn it to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. We're going to do something a little different this Christmas in that every Sunday leading up to Christmas, every Sunday of Advent, we're going to base our sermon series on a different hymn a different Christmas carol, 
And we're going to unpack this particular Christmas carol, also walking through a text of Scripture, but unpacking a particular Christmas carol, unpacking the deep theology that we often find there. One of the things that I rejoice in during the Christmas season is just how deep the theology of the carols really is. If you spend time reading them and thinking about them and learning about the history of these particular songs, you learn that there is a deep teaching that happens when this season in these Christmas carols. And so today what I want to do is I want to focus on one particular carol and I want to encourage you to be longing for Emmanuel as we consider the carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7 and reading through verse 15. Now we have this treasure in clay jars, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And here in this passage, we see the already and not yet. We're saved, but not fully sanctified. We are redeemed, and yet we endure persecution. We have the life of Jesus living within us, but yet sometimes we are perplexed. Lord, I pray that you would increase in our souls even as we walk throughout this world, live the lives that you called us to live. Lord, I pray that you would increase in our souls the longing for Emmanuel to come. Lord, we long for your appearing. We long for you to come in our world. We long for you to come to establish your kingdom in this world and so lord we pray come quickly lord jesus and increase our longing for your appearing lord we thank you for it in jesus name we pray amen the very end of the lord of the rings we know that frodo has destroyed the ring but even as he gets back to the shire we find that not all is well Frodo still has this deep wound that he received at Weathertop that, yes, outwardly has been healed, but deep within his soul there is 
a longing for a healing that cannot happen in this world. There's a longing for the perfect to arrive, the perfect to come. Yes, the world has improved. It's gotten better. Yes, indeed, the ring has been destroyed. The victory is assured, but not yet does he know healing in all of its perfections. I think we in our lives can relate to that. That we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we also know what it is like to know the Lord Jesus and to have the salvation of the Lord and to to know our Christ and yet grieve terribly. And yet have wounds in our souls that only heaven can heal. That here even in this passage, he describes, Paul describes it as being perplexed, as being afflicted, as being struck down, and yet not destroyed, and yet knowing Christ. Is it possible to be both joyful and longing? Is it possible to be both happy and sad? Is it possible to know the joy of satisfaction in Jesus and still be waiting, longing for His appearing, knowing that it's not all yet right? That we have not yet understood the perfections of the future. Is it possible to be afflicted and perplexed and yet have hope? That's the paradox of the believer living in the already and the not yet. We are satisfied in Jesus alone, but our heart still aches because of the sin in our lives. Our heart still aches because of the death around us. Our heart still aches because of the sin-sick world in which we live, that we long for it to be redeemed. We long for all things to be set right. We long for the coming of Emmanuel, the real king. The king to set all things right. That's the real spirit of Christmas. The satisfied and yet longing heart for Jesus to come again. We're saved and satisfied in Jesus and yet we long for his appearing. I love the way John Piper said it. He says the following, the Christian life oscillates between two poles. The overflowing joy of the already redeemed, Ephesians 1.7, and the tearful yearning of the not yet redeemed, Ephesians 4.30. Not that we ever leave the one or the other in this life. We are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And if you wonder in your life, why do I experience pain? Why do I experience sorrow on this Christian pathway? Am I weird? Am I not as good of a Christian? Am am I off somewhere? No. (laughs) That's the normal Christian life. To be sorrowful and yet rejoicing. To be satisfied in Jesus and yet longing for more. The satisfied and yet longing heart is really well captured in the particular hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And in this particular song, we see deep, the deep theology of longing, the deep theology of already and not yet, as we long for Emmanuel, as we long for God to be with us. Rejoice because Emmanuel is coming and we are still in this world of sin sickness. 
This hymn, this particular hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, was actually written over 1,200 years ago, about the year 8 to 900 A.D. It was actually originally written in Latin and was a Benedictine Gregorian chant. It was actually part of monastic life, and we didn't even sing all of the verses. There's about seven verses. We only sing a a selected few of them, and different hymnals have a different selection of the particular verses that you can find in this particular hymn. It was sung in Latin for almost a thousand years before being translated into the English that we are familiar with today. How did that happen? It happened, the English version came from an Anglican priest in the 1800s. His name was John Mason Neal. And this particular priest, he was a very busy guy. He founded a hospital. He established an order of Anglican nuns. He founded organizations to care for orphans and widows. And as a side gig, he translated Latin and Greek hymns into English. (laughs) The guy was a very busy dude, a very busy priest. This particular hymn he translated from the original Latin after he rediscovered it and he published it in his collection of medieval hymns and sequences in 1851. Eventually it was combined together with a tune from the 1500s and that's the form that we have it in today. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Now for the last couple of Christmas seasons there has really been a longing in our hearts for this to change. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I mean, this is the second one in this pandemic that has swept over the world. There is a longing in our hearts for truth. There is a longing in our hearts for reality. There is a longing in our hearts for beams of clarity to come over the horizon and make sense of all of the crazy, mixed-up, conflicting messages of our time. There is a longing for the One, the Deliverer, to come and set all things right. This has not made Christmas less clear clear in our lives. This has made our need for the deliverer, our need for Emmanuel to come even more clear. We need Jesus. We are longing for his appearing as we endure months of the unsure. We are longing for the coming of King Jesus, God with us to rule in our lives and in this world, to rule in his full kingdom. And that's what this hymn expresses. I love this hymn because it reaches deep into our souls and expresses a longing of our hearts for the appearing of Jesus. And what I want to do is, I don't don't have time to walk through seven verses, but I'll hit five of them. And I want to show you different aspects of how we should long for Jesus at Christmas. Number one is this, long for Emmanuel, the continuous presence of God with you. Long for God with us. The continuous presence, even physical presence, of God with us. The first verse is, O come, O come, Emmanuel. I want us to go ahead and sing that again. Scott, can you help me out with that? Sure. <laughs> Let's sing that together. O, o come, O come, Emmanuel. And ran 
ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the sun sound Gregorian today. Wow, that's great. <laughs> Long for Emmanuel. The perspective of this hymn reaches all the way back to Israel and then compares the experience of Israel to the church. Israel before the birth of Jesus. There's a longing in Israel to be set free from exile. They are longing for the real country, the country to which they belong, their real home. They are separated from the land. They're separated from their home, the home that God had promised them that he will one day restore in the future. And they were longing to be set free from captivity, for sorrow to turn into dancing, for the lonely to find a family. They longed for Emmanuel to come. The expression of this longing is found in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom from the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion. To give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. They will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify Him. That is written hundreds of years, that passage from Isaiah, hundreds of years before Christ. And Jesus picks it up in His sermon. And He says, this day is this Scripture fulfilled in your hearing. The very thing that the, the very reality that the Israel longed for was the coming of Jesus, even if they didn't recognize it, that the greater tyranny that they needed to be rescued from was tyranny of sin. The tyranny of their rebellion. Israel longed for the presence of God, longed for the presence of Emmanuel, and God did it by sending His own Son. And we on this side of the cross are also pilgrims. If you feel a strangeness like, I don't belong here, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> this world is not your home. We long for another country. We long for another kingdom that has yet to come. And we long for the presence of God to be with us. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 says, I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. And so we are satisfied in Jesus, and yet, because He's already come, and yet there is a deep longing in our soul for Emmanuel. There's a longing in our soul for the King to come. Are you lonely? Are you captive to sin in the world? Are you in mourning? There is hope for you this Christmas.
you can rejoice because Emmanuel is coming. Number two, long for the rod of Jesse to rescue from sin and death. Long for the rod of Jesse to rescue you from sin and death. This already and not yet. Verse 2, let's sing that together. Go ahead and put that on the screen. There we go. Go ahead, brother. Oh, come thou rod of Jesse three, thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you know that Christmas is spiritual warfare? You're in the middle of a war. And everyone who is in a war doesn't want to stay in the war forever. Everybody who's in a battle knows that it is tiring. It wears you out. That you fight and you fight and you fight and you fight. And it grows. It wearies you over time. But the hope of Christmas helps us to recognize that even though we experience spiritual warfare now, we won't always experience spiritual warfare. (laughs) Because there is coming a day when the rod of Jesse will one day be fully and finally released on the devil. (laughs) And the devil will one day be cast into the lake of fire. And he will be no more. The tempter will be gone and you'll never experience temptation again. You'll never experience affliction again. You'll never have to worry about turning on the news and finding out what they found in Africa (laughs) with a new variant of evil. (laughs) Of this sickness that I'm frankly tired of. (laughs) I think we're all tired of it. Free us from Satan's tyranny. Save us from hell. Save us from sin. Give us victory over the grave. That's the longing of our souls. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 is where this imagery comes from. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The need of deliverance here is clear in this verse and in this passage, in this this stanza of this hymn, that Emmanuel is the one who will finally defeat the devil, who will finally defeat sin, who will finally defeat the grave as God becomes man and as our representative champion, even as David stood up on behalf of the people and destroyed Goliath. Jesus, our representative champion, is the one who stands in our place and defeats the devil on our behalf. 
And that is what we long for, is the return of the King and the full and final establishment of the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 30, the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me. That is our Christ. That is the good news of Christmas. Even though there are times when we face trials and the onslaught of Satan, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And our longing is for the victory to come in Jesus. Jesus has already won. He is winning and he will win finally. That is the good news of the gospel. When will our longings be fulfilled? Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 says it like this. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Christian, victory is coming. Emmanuel is coming. Rejoice. Number three, long for the day spring to bring light in darkness. Long for the day spring to live light, to bring light in darkness. Let's sing the third, a third verse. Let's sing this together. Oh, come thou day spring from on high and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, stanza says so much to us in 2021 gloomy clouds of night have you felt the darkness in the world have you felt the increase of wickedness in our society many of you have experienced deep depression discouragement over the last year and a half how do we know this? Well, just one piece of evidence is, and you can pray, pre please pray for the Emmaus Counseling Center. It's like, if you're, a new pay, if you're new, new to that uh, organization, if you call them, the next appointment, I think, is in March. <laughs> because so many people are in need right now. The gloomy clouds are descending over our society. Death's dark shadows have descended on our church. Just since March of 2020, we've had 17 church members that have passed away. One in the last week. And this common refrain of death's dark shadows is just all around us. Will we ever be set free? Luke chapter 1, verses 78 and 79 says this, Through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us. What is he going to do? To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's the day spring that this verse is talking about. 
It's not just making up a word. It's getting it from Luke chapter 1. It's getting it from Christmas story. Jesus is coming. He is the day spring who will deliver us from the dark shadows of sickness, the dark shadows of depression and discouragement, the dark shadows ultimately of death. Rejoice, church. Jesus is coming again. Verse number 4, long for the key of David to open up the gates of heaven. Long for the key of David to open up the gates of heaven. Let's sing a fourth verse together. Brother, go ahead. Oh, come the key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that imagery there in that verse closing the path to misery like you can't even go there because it's road closed <laughs> how many of you all have made decision in your life decisions in your life that led to the road of misery amen i think we have all made those decisions we've all made those willful choices we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god but the longing of our hearts is for our heavenly home to come Jesus to bring us to our heavenly home and for that path of misery to be forever closed. Like I, I will never go down that road again. <laughs> oh, I long for that day when I don't do stupid. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> when I don't do stupid. <laughs> and that's the longing of this hymn. Is that come Lord, and set me free. What, what is this imagery, thou key of David? Actually, it comes from Scripture. Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. And the key of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulder. He shall open, and no one shall shut. He shall shut, and no one shall open. The key of David opens wide the door of heaven and shuts forever the door of misery. That's what we long for. That's what we need. Oh, come, Emmanuel, and the good news of Christmas. He came once. He's coming again. Are you longing for direction? Are you longing for God to open up a door in your life to show you the open door, to show you the pathway ahead? The good news of the gospel is like it says in Isaiah 22, and it picks up again in Revelation, that Jesus opens doors that no one can shut, and he closes doors that no one can open. He opens the gates of heaven wide, and he closes the door to misery. I want to ask you, if you have never trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord, you're on the road to misery. And it doesn't have to be that way. Because the good news of Christmas and Easter is the story of the gospel that Jesus Christ is God, become flesh, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for your sins, rose again from the grave, 
so that all who have faith in Him, trust in Him, can have everlasting life. And if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I would encourage you to trust in Him. You don't have to go through the door of misery. In fact, that door can be shut forever for you by faith. And the door to eternal life, the door to forgiveness, the door to grace is open wide for you. If you'll simply repent of your sin and trust in Him. I know we've been praying for you and our heart for you is that you would come to know Christ by faith. Trust in Him right now. At the end of this service, I'll be right here. And I encourage you to come talk to me. Come talk to Scott. Come talk to BJ. We'd love to talk to you and tell you about Jesus and help you to follow Christ and enter in the open door that leads to life. Finally, number five is this. Long for the desire of nations to bring peace to his creation. Let's sing this next verse. And I want you to think, does this express anything we might need in the world today? All right, let's sing this together. Oh, come desire of nations bind all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrel cease. Fill the whole world with heaven's peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to of the world today longing for strife and fighting and quarreling to cease if you found yourself recently walking into a room and you didn't quite know the people there and and wonder what am i about to get into if i open my mouth and express my thought on anything <laughs> and so you just don't even do it let's let's just talk about i don't know you can't even talk about it with the weather and people are arguing about it right <laughs> ah People are arguing about all kinds of things in this age of anger and this age of outrage. People who should be friends and people that have civil discussions, even Christians, don't seem to have that ability anymore. I heard someone recently say, I wish we could go back to the good old days when all people argued about was how many points of Calvinism you held. <laughs> now what are we arguing about so many people in the world are arguing about politics masks vaccines mandates regulations rights eight cent bags at the grocery store who is causing the gas prices to go up and on and on and on and on and on is it ever going to end are we ever going to have peace in the world are we ever going to have peace in our lives and what is this thing about the desire of nations? Where's that come from? A strange place, the book of Haggai. Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. I will shake all nations, and they shall come to who? The desire of all nations. 
And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. I long for the desire of nations. The desire of nations is peace, and they're not going to find it anywhere but in the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. And that's what we long for. That's what we're praying for when we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. You know, when I was a kid, I was often warned about a great evil that was called backmasking. <laughs> that what they would do is they would record the tracks of their acid rock or whatever it was. Actually, I found out that the Beatles actually did this as well. <laughs> that they would record a message backwards on their album. And if you ran the record backwards, then it would play the message that they were trying to subliminally get at you with. I don't think that was quite as common as, we, as I was terrified that it was in that particular day, but it, it, but it definitely did exist. But, but backmasking didn't originate with the Beatles. Did you know that the Gregorian monks of the 800s actually backmasked a message in this hymn? Because if you look at all seven verses in the Latin words for the names of Jesus, you'll find that the seven names for Jesus in this hymn are as follows. Sepentia, Adonai, Radix Jesse, Clavis David, Oriens, Rex Genitum, and Emmanuel, meaning wisdom, God, stem of, or root of Jesse, key of David, dayspring, king of the Gentiles, and God with us. If you take the first letters of all of those names, you get the word sarcore, which means nothing in Latin. <laughs> But if you turn it backwards, it is arrow cross. And do you know what that means in Latin? It means, I will be with you tomorrow. The hope of Christmas is you will never be alone. The good news of Jesus is, is there hope for tomorrow? In a world that if you turn on the news, there is no hope. But the good news of Christmas is Jesus will be with you yesterday. He is with you today. And he will be with you forever.